I came in a, a broken, battered man, like many people do, having lived my life for no one other than myself. And so this concept of having to give up control was not something I was used to. At the core of most of my fears is the fear of not being liked or accepted by other people. What that comes down to is a lack of self-respect. I didn't respect myself as a person. I didn't hold myself true to those virtues and values. Being open-minded coming into the rooms of AA is probably the best gift you can give yourself. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast with your hosts, Michael L. and Lee M. On this podcast, we try to bring inspiration through, through interviews with members of the recovery community. We are not affiliated with any 12-step program, but you will hear them mentioned throughout the course of an interview. Today on the show, Michael H. from Philadelphia. He's got an amazing program of recovery. Before we go to the show, small favor, if you're listening on a podcast network that enables you to provide a rating or leave a comment, let us know what you think of the podcast. It's going to help us reach a wider audience and continue to improve. Enjoy the episode. Good morning, Mike. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, Lee. How's everything with you? Everything is great. It's March 8th. What do we have on, on the agenda for today? Oh, I'm excited. So I've got my good friend, Mike H. from Philadelphia in the house, and he's going to be sharing on the concept of turning it over. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Happy to be here. Terrific. Hey, Mike, if, if you wouldn't mind, would you introduce yourself to the audience? Let us know who you are, what your sobriety date is, and we'll get started. Absolutely. My name is Mike. I am definitely an alcoholic. I am from Philadelphia, born and raised, never left the area, and my sober date is April 10th, 2011. Wow. Well, welcome. Welcome to the show. So we normally start the show having our guest read the Daily Reflection. Would you um, read that for us, please? Absolutely. Today is March 8th, turning it over. Every man and woman who has joined AA and intends to stick has, without realizing it, made a beginning on step three. Isn't it true that in all matters touching upon alcohol, each of them has decided to turn his or her life over to the care, protection, and guidance of Alcoholics Anonymous? Any willing newcomer feels sure AA is the only safe harbor for the foundering vessel he has become. Now, if this is not turning one's will and life over to a newfound providence, then what is it? It's from the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, page 35. Submission to God was the first step to my recovery. I believe our fellowship seeks a spirituality open to a new kinship with God. As I exert myself to follow the path of the steps, I sense a freedom that gives me the ability to think for myself. My addiction can find me without any release and hindered my ability to be released from my self-confinement, but AA assures me of a way to go forward. Mutual sharing, concern, and caring for others is our natural gift to each other, and mine is strengthened as my attitude toward God changes. I learn to submit to God's will in my life, to have self-respect, and to keep both of these attitudes by giving away what I receive. Well, there's a lot there. How does this, uh, as you read it, what jumps to mind for you first? There, there's a tremendous amount here. Um, the The first thing that that comes to mind for me, and I'm fortunate to have been around for a little while and understand that the only way to keep 
what I've been given is to give it away. And the whole concept of giving something away was very foreign to me when I first came into the rooms of AA. I came in a a broken, battered man like many people do, having lived my life for me, for no one other than myself. And so this concept of having to give up control was not something I was used to. You know, I, I was raised a very type A personality, believing that I was able to control my own destiny and my own outcome. I was raised Catholic, went to Catholic school, went to mass, did the whole church thing, the prayer thing. But it, it wasn't a prayer of me actually feeling a relationship with God. It was more the rote memorization and routine of it. And I stepped in the doors and I saw people that were living a life that I wanted. I saw people happy and laughing. And it was a concept that was foreign to me because for so long I tried to grasp onto any and everything to make me happy. And I absolutely love this analogy that actually my my last boss talked about, which is this concept of holding sand. And you're holding sand, and the harder you squeeze the sand to try to hold on to it, the more of it that slips through your fingers. And that was how I had lived my entire life. I think about the fact that I've heard many a time, we do everything we do out of either love or out of fear. And I had never in my life really understood what it meant to do something out of love this sort of love that's reciprocal and that God has for me, that God has for everyone who is willing to do something that sounds simple but is not. And that is this idea of turning over my will and my life to the care of him. So Mike, tell me a little bit about what was happening that brought you into the rooms of AA. I consider myself fortunate to have been a bit of a a high bottom drunk in that my My last demise, my last run, was a pure emotional bottom. I had recently, actually, almost 10 years ago to the day, had neck surgery and relapsed on what was my drug of choice at the time. And it took me into a couple weeks of just turmoil, trying to go back to living on my own. I was a senior in college. I had no direction. I didn't know what I wanted to do after school. And a few weeks later, it was a Saturday night. I was getting ready to go to my job where I moonlit as a DJ for a number of years. And ironically enough, as an aside, my DJ name was Dosage, very fitting for a a drunken and alcoholic and drug addict like me. And I had this feeling, this overwhelming sensation right before I went that I didn't know who I was, that I had become this person that I was afraid of. I grew up with a next door neighbor, and I remembered seeing these guys who had ears pierced, smoking cigarettes, drinking, doing all kinds of stuff. And as a kid, I genuinely was petrified of them. I wouldn't walk around that corner if I knew they were there. And I was looking myself in the mirror, and I realized that that was exactly who I'd become. Even scarier was the fact that I didn't know who I was as a person. And I would try to continue to portray the good son, the good family member. But when I wasn't around my family, 
that's when I felt like my truest self. And that truest self was not the type of person I ever wanted to be. So what happened? What, what made you make a decision to do something different? I honestly couldn't tell you exactly what happened. All I know is that I had been to an AA meeting the day before, and I had lied to who was at my time, the temporary sponsor, about the last time that I drank. And so I went to a meeting the next day on Sunday, Sunday night in Philadelphia, the same room that I've been fortunate to call my home group for morning meetings and other meetings over the years. And in the middle of the meeting, I turned to him and I remember just looking at him and saying, Joe, I lied. The last time I used wasn't Friday. It was yesterday. And that was one of the first times, and I get the chills a little bit here thinking about it. It was one of the first times I was truly honest with another human being about something. And has your concept of a of a higher power of God, I mean, you, you had a concept as a Catholic. Has that changed over time as you've gotten into the program and worked the step? Growing up in the Catholic faith, God was ever present, but it it never came down as what AA talks about as a personal God of my own understanding. The Bible, all of the teachings, the readings, the sermons, they all portrayed kind of the same version of God. And I will say I grew up thinking of God as this white-bearded guy in the sky directing everything. And when I came into AA, this concept of I can choose who my higher power is and who my God is, it hit me years into sobriety what exactly that meant. Because initially, I had this preconceived notion that it was still that same idea of God. And when asked to turn everything over to him, I will absolutely say that I did not want to do it at first. A lot of it predicated on me understanding what God was from a Catholic perspective and not knowing if I fully jived with that. And so what I mean by that is I went to that first meeting and I didn't start going to what I will call the program or really start on the path to sobriety until about five months later. I was fortunate that I didn't pick up a drink during those five months, but it was the it was the part of my life where I said, okay, I'm going to turn certain things over to God, just like I had done in the past. I'm going to turn the drink over, but I'm going to hold on to everything else. And as so often happens, for me at least, it was a relationship that finally brought me into the program. And a couple years in, to, to get back to that question of how did my conception change, it was my second sponsor who we were talking, we were talking about prayer, kind of in the getting to know you phase, probably about three years sober. And I remember so vividly him saying to me that he talks to God like he would talk to a friend. And that includes cursing, which I'm going to try not to curse during this, but I will say that's part of my everyday verbiage. And a simple shift of saying, God already knows what's in my heart and on my mind. Why should I have to filter it when I talk to him? it flipped my relationship with him upside down and it it really started to bring him deeper into my daily life so it sounds like you were able to sort of just set aside your original concept of 
of the God, you know, up in the sky with a beard and just sort of go with the flow until it started to unfold for you by hearing your people's suggestions, et cetera. I'm curious, we just skip kind of forward a little bit. How has the program changed you in terms of your desire to, you know, help others to be of service? Right before getting on this call, I was talking to my mom and she was saying in the midst of a kind of tumultuous time in in her life, what a blessing this is for me to be able to give back to other people. And she actually said a prayer over me on the call before I came on here. I'll say that's one of the best parts of my life today is the relationship that I have with her from a faith and spirituality perspective. And it's very top of mind for me because I, I'm close with my parents and I'm close with them because of sobriety. And that's one of many ways that I give back today. I've realized more and more how important it is to have that connection with other people and not the surface level connection that I looked for in my entire life. I saw groups of people. I wanted to fit in everywhere. Yet I also wanted to be unique and wanted to stand out. And what what the programs really brought to me is that joy of the only way out of me is through you. Whenever I'm going through something in my life, the easiest way for me not to focus on it and to solve my problem is to pick up the phone and talk to someone else. Either they've been through something similar and can lend advice. Or more often than not, they're going through something in their life and it's happenstance that another alcoholic picked up the phone and called them at the exact time that they probably needed to pick up the phone and call someone themselves, but they chose not to. I've, I've always looked at my sobriety as something that I don't want to do for just me, but I really want to do it for a much larger reason. And the principles that we talk about in this program, how I can apply them as, as the big book and literature says to all aspects of my life. One of the biggest areas that I've really come to love is the entire space of mental health. I'll say it was, it was very fortuitous, the circumstances, but I decided to sign up and become a volunteer crisis counselor for an uh, online organization right before the whole pandemic hit. And wouldn't you know, a global pandemic is going to get a lot more people texting into a crisis line. And I look at that as just one of the ways where I'll say I've encountered people who, while I won't label them an alcoholic, they have self-identified on there as potential alcoholics. And what a blessing and gift to be able to talk to someone and help them understand what it means to come into a program like this. What a gift to have gone through almost a decade of sobriety and to recognize that, wow, I have value today. And my value is so much in the experiences that I've been through, especially the negative ones I've been through. You know, I don't have the experience of winning the lottery, so I'm not going to be able to help someone who won the lottery. But I have the experience of going through a breakup of searching for meaning and purpose in my work and outside of work. And these are things that humans more broadly, I feel they all go through. 
we all suffer from commonalities. As alcoholics, what we suffer from is the fact that we had a spiritual malady, a spiritual deficiency, and the solution to it was God. Alcohol was but a symptom of that. I picked up the drink because I didn't want to have to think. And it generally was bad things happening in my life that drove me to pick up the drink, not the good. And so having that ability to help another alcoholic understand you don't have to turn to a drink when things are going wrong in your life has just been a tremendous blessing. I can see that. And I've experienced that as well. So in the reflection, it talks about learning to submit to God's will in your life to have self-respect. Tell me what that means to you. When I was growing up, this idea of wanting to fit in everywhere, I think of myself almost like I was like Gumby. I would bend everything, including what I had held true as my core principles, to try to mold myself to fit that group and get people to like me. At the core of most of my fears is the fear of not being liked or accepted by other people. What that comes down to is a lack of self-respect. I didn't respect myself as a person. I didn't hold myself true to those virtues and values that I thought I did. The first part of that, submitting to his will, I wanted to control all of those elements. I wanted to control the outcomes of every single action. And what I've come to realize is the fact that I don't have all the answers and I don't need to know them. And that's what faith summed up to me is. It's the belief that things are happening for a reason, especially when I don't know what that reason is. And having the willingness to say, I'm going to choose to see the positivity in this instead of letting it completely beat me down. And where that ties into the self-respect is the fact that I don't have to sacrifice my core principles today. I can, I can accept, and acceptance is a big thing for an alcoholic, I can accept that God has a reason for something happening, and I am in exactly the place I need to be at this moment. How long did it take you to get to that place? Because I think when we're out in the world of drinking and drugging and using lots of different things to to sort of anesthetize ourselves, the last thing we can do is accept that we're where we're supposed to be. How did you get there? It's a daily practice. It's something that no matter how much time I have, I don't think I'm ever going to be in a comfortable place where I feel like everything is rosy because there are those ups and downs. And one of my favorite lines in the big book is, just to the extent that we do as we think he would have us, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? That really speaks to how I'm able to give up that control and submit to his will, to accept that. You mentioned it. I would do anything to numb those feelings and those thoughts. I would try to run away from them. Or... I would take them and try to internalize it and dig so deep into it that I go down some rabbit hole rather than recognizing I am not necessarily those thoughts. 
Things are going to come into my mind. Things are going to leave my mind. The principle of not regretting the past or wishing to shut the door on it. I can easily get swept up in staying on history, in extrapolating out into the future, instead of sitting here and saying, while this feels uncomfortable, it's okay to feel uncomfortable. Sobriety didn't promise me a life of pure bliss and joy. It promised me a life that I would be able to live and manage. And sometimes just getting back to baseline is more than enough. It's a beautiful thing. Tell me what your hopes are for the future. How far, how far ahead do you look? The program's a program of one day at a time, which is something I always struggled with. I like to share a little story that when I first got sober, I, I was about to turn 22 and I had a really hard time because I was picturing myself getting married years in the future. Mind you, I got sober and I was single and I wasn't going to be able to have champagne at my wedding. And someone told me, if you're picturing your life years down the line and you have what I would expect is a beautiful bride there and you're concerned about not having champagne, that you're definitely an alcoholic. So how far into the future, I think, what my hopes are for the future? It's tricky. I have, I have hope for myself personally. I hope one day to have a family and to be able to raise children that are upstanding members of society and, and care more about the world and the way that we leave things than how we show up. And I would say broadly, that's my hope for myself and for generations is to have that lens of selflessness, to understand that everything I do, everything I say can impact other people. One of the things I always taught me is that there's only two things I can control. That's my actions and my reactions. And actions includes words. How someone perceives them, it's not directly within my control. However, it could be within my responsibility to make sure that I'm communicating things or setting things up in the best way. So how I leave this world, I think, is directly tied to how I live my life here. And that impact that I'm able to have is directly tied to the relationships that I have with people. And how much of my time, energy, resources I spend ensuring that the world is a better place because of me, not in spite of me. Wow, what a dramatic change from the way we live uh, when we're drinking and drugging to what you just said. I think we have some folks listening who are either brand new to recovery or maybe they're thinking about getting into recovery or trying to decide whether or not they have an issue with um, substances, alcohol, what would you say to them? Some people in the rooms will say, if you think you're an alcoholic and you're in an AA meeting, you may be an alcoholic. And so I would say at first you're in the right spot. You're already on the right path by recognizing that there may be something there. The other piece that I would say is not necessarily thinking about the drink, but thinking about the reason you drank, the times you drank, the times you didn't want to drink and you drank, the times people told you 
you shouldn't drink, and you drank. All of those for me, the times I drank, they were circumstantial. It was all because I was unhappy with who I was as a person. And I think this is one of, for me, the biggest misconceptions of alcoholism is that alcohol was the problem. Being open-minded coming into the rooms of AA is probably the best gift you can give yourself. Being willing to listen, to learn, and to find ways that you can identify with people rather than compare yourself to them. Well, Mike, this has been a great conversation. I'm so so glad you took the time to talk with us. Is there anything else you'd like to tell the audience before we wrap up? The only thing I'd say is, in case no one else has said it today or does say it today, I love you. Well, Mike, thanks so much. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you both. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks to Mike for joining us, and thanks to you, the listeners. If you want to find us on Facebook, join us at facebook.com slash groups slash Daily Reflection Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Reflector. If you want to read about recovery, we've got a blog at blog.dailyreflectionpodcast.com. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day.